On the 16th day of October, Halloween gave to me 16 flying engines, 15 workplace accidents, 14 logs of bouncing, 13 planes exploding, 12 zombie soldiers, 11 angels wrestling, 10 ghostly hitchhikers, 9 basement clowns, 8 vampire cruises, 7 silent heroes, 6 prequel bloodstones, 5 diabolical fledglings, 4 vampire pianists, 3 dead professors, 2 Michelle actresses, and a radu drooling something bloody. Hello there, and welcome to another edition of the 31 Days of Halloween. We are officially over the halfway mark in our journey through 31 films in this holiday season, and we find ourselves looking at the race car drama uh, driven. No, Final Destination, the Final Destination, Final Destination 4, if you're nasty. And this one shows us uh, a, a look at a, a racetrack and why people might attend, uh, by which I mean rampant murder and mayhem and death and destruction. This is directed by David R. Ellis, who is returning after doing Final Destination 2, my favorite of the series. And this time, uh, this is a movie that is so clearly a movie that was shot in 3D, which is not a knock against the Final Destination. I like a 3D movie. I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. This was a 3D movie through and through. There's all kinds of shit in this movie where things are coming out at you. Uh, you know, the depth of field is uh, an important part of this. And uh, it's worth noting, you know, whereas the second movie had clear rivers and was definitely tied into the first one, the idea was for the studios to be able to make one of these that has nothing to do with the other movies. And so three and this one, four or the final destination are designed to be movies that you don't necessarily need to have seen the others. Although there are certainly nods to the other movies, uh, most significantly that the accident, uh, that sets the, the film's action in motion is set at the McKinley speedway, which is clearly a nod to Ian McKinley of the previous movie. And uh, there's also a little bit of names where we're, you know, referencing other horror directors. There's Nick O'Bannon, which is clearly a reference to Dan O'Bannon. Hunt Wynorski, uh, obviously uh, referencing Jim Wynorski. Janet Cunningham, uh, you know, the, the, on and on. And so uh, it's a group of friends that get together at this... Uh, car race, a stock car race. And one of them is clearly in this for blood. And I believe that was a hunt who is the one that's like, Hey, I'm here for some good old fashioned blood and guts echoing my sentiment about all of these final destination movies. And there is Lori who is uh, sort of the studious one and didn't really want to be part of this but gets pulled away by her boyfriend, Nick. And there's Hunt's girlfriend, Janet. We also see uh, some other characters, like there's a cowboy, there's uh, a couple that uh, the guy is clearly a, uh, a mechanic because he has a, a jacket or a shirt or something with um, a body shop or a garage uh, listed on there. And his wife, there's 
a, a woman and her kid who is just referred to as MILF in the credits as played by Krista Allen. Uh, and I think her name though is uh, Samantha Lane is her name in the, in the film. Uh, there's, uh, also a racist and his girlfriend, which is, uh, always good. And then you have, um, a security guard played by Michael T. Williams or Williamson, sorry. And, uh, who is, you know, far and away the most official actor of all of this. But, uh, the, <laughs> so the, the racist, by the way. Uh, Carter has a girlfriend, Nadia, um, who's with him and she is only in it for a minute, but has a, a pretty fun death. Um, at any rate, so the vision in that, uh, the main character has Nick is our, our character who has the vision in this one. And he sees that due to, uh, you know, the, this tool falling onto the track and causing an accident, which causes cars to run into each other and start to flip over. And there is a fence that is supposed to prevent, you know, people from being injured. Right. Um, but it fails and tires and engines and cars come flying into the crowd. Also, there is a structural weakness that causes the whole building to start to fall in. And kind of my problem with the movie begins here. And by problem, I just mean, I like it a little less than the other stuff, especially coming off the dizzying high of the truck carrying logs, which is far and away the best of the, uh, the series. Then there's the roller coaster, which is pretty good. The airplane is good, but it's, again, a different kind of vibe in the original Final Destination where it plays it a little more straight and it's not there just to be gruesome. And this one definitely is. And starting with part two, it's just about like how horrible a way to die can you imagine and put on screen. And one of my problems with this is that especially with the falling rocks, the, the stadium collapsing, then it's just kind of big hunks of cement falling on people for a certain period of time, which is not all that interesting. Uh, you know, it's probably more realistic, but less interesting. You do definitely though have, some tires and engines and cars flying into the crowd and smushing people. My favorite being, I think it's, it hits Lori, either Lori or Janet, one of the two girlfriends. But anyway, a, a engine comes flying into the crowd and hits her directly in the face. The thing that I really like about it is there's a bit of sound design where you hear the engine rattle after she is clearly dead, it's reminiscent of the part three, like the fan blade spins one more time after it uh, rams into the back of uh, a guy's head. It's that kind of thing. And that's what I'm here for. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm being as base a movie viewer as I can be when I'm watching these. I'm watching this for the blood and mayhem and, and the dark humor of like... Like, how can we twist the knife on this character a little bit? And I'm, I'm here for all of it. I, I love all of that stuff. So, uh, after the vision, Nick is like, oh my God, we got to get out of here. The place is going to collapse. And out on his way out, you know, he starts a scuffle and some other people chase him out. And that's how we get our core group of, of survivors. It's the, the two couples that came together, the mother and her kids, 
Uh, you've got the mechanic, and I, I think his girlfriend does not make it. I think just he does. The racist and his girlfriend and Michael T. Williamson. And they get outside, and, and Michael T. Williamson is grilling them on, like, hey, why did you run? What's going on? And then you hear the accident and the resulting explosions and the place starting to collapse. It is nice that as Nadia, the racist girlfriend, is telling them all that they're crazy and she doesn't believe in psychics and stuff, a tire flies out of the stadium, out of the track, and hits her in the head and just crushes her skull. Um, this also brings to light one of my other problems with the movie, which is a, a real heavy reliance on CGI. And I understand why. You're doing a 3D movie. You want to be able to manipulate those digital images and make it look like, you know, it's coming right at you and all of that. But it does look kind of shitty when you're just watching it in 2D on a screen... Uh, you know, like a, a high-def 4K screen these days. And you kind of see all the lines, uh, you know, the outlines of where the effect ends and the real world begins. And it, maybe it's budgetary, maybe it's just where effects were in 2009 when this came out. Uh, you know, almost 15 years ago at this point. And so it only looks so good, which is, you know, a, a problem because... One of the things I really enjoyed about a lot of this series is that they do use a lot of practical effects. Uh, one of the great things about that whole log truck situation is that it felt very stunt heavy as opposed to this, which is a lot of computer stuff lying around. And that's less interesting. Uh, but anyway, so on with our rampant death and destruction... The racist then decides, after surviving all of this, he's going to go burn a cross on Michael D. Williamson's front lawn, goes there with his tow truck. One thing leads to another. The tow truck ends up uh, falling into neutral and dropping the hook, and he starts chasing after it, and uh, he ends up getting wrapped up in the chain, so the truck is moving. He's caught up in it, and then it, uh, you know, because the metal chain... It's dragging, it's throwing up sparks, some fuel spills over, and then sets the truck and the uh, gentleman being pulled behind it on fire. It explodes, and Michael T. Williamson comes out in time to see this truck blow up and the racist head land on the lap. And, uh, you know, that's fine. So then Samantha, the, the mom, Krista Allen is taking her kids to a beauty salon where she's getting like her hair cut and you know getting all this stuff did we see uh the kids like throwing some pebbles around outside there's a maintenance worker doing uh some lawn work and then he as she comes out of the salon there's a bit of a false alarm with uh the chair that she's in not supporting her weight, like the hydraulics being bad and a ceiling fan that's loose and some water spilling out or some gel or something and all this stuff. Like it's a lot of, Oh, well, how's she going to die? And then it turns out she dies in the most simple possible way, which is she sets foot outside the salon, 
the lawnmower runs over the pebble, which sends it flying across this parking lot and goes right through her eye, and then it kills her that way. Which is, you know, kind of darkly funny, I suppose, but it feels anticlimactic. It's not a great... I mean, again, it's like a rock falling on somebody. It's like, well, the rock went through her eye and that killed her. But it's not... It, it doesn't feel elaborate enough somehow, I suppose. But uh, anyway, so she gets killed that way. And then uh, Nick, who is the one, you know, starting to have visions uh, of, of other people dying and whatnot, starts to believe that, hey, we're... We have cheated death and now death is coming for us. And th- so they go to the speedway to find out who the next survivor was like kind of getting a read of the land and like, okay, who, who died in what order? And they realize it's like, Oh shit, it's the um, mechanic. And so they track him down and he's like, this all sounds like bullshit. Uh, but as they're talking, a car uh, almost flattens him. But he survives that. But what he doesn't survive is when an air tank, a compressed air tank, uh, gets one end of it lopped off. And it flies through the air, hits him in the gut, and sends him flying into a chain link fence. And pushes pieces of him through that fence uh, because of the pressure of the, uh, the air tank as it flies through the air like a rocket. That is pretty good. That is, uh, thus far on the list of ways people die in this movie, so far my favorite. Not my total favorite, because there's one more I like better than that. So, then Nick is like, oh my god, uh, Hunt and Janet, uh, the other couple we were with, they're going to die in some way that involves water. So they find Hunt's girlfriend, who is trapped in a car wash with the sunroof open that has trapped her neck as she was trying to crawl out of it and the car is moving forward and the brushes that are meant to clean the car are about to hit her in the head which begged the question for me will that actually kill you i don't know i don't know and i didn't bother to look it up because that's the kind of research that other people can do not this show and uh, but i am curious about that i'm curious whether or not a car wash would actually kill you as a a human being but uh it doesn't matter because nick and Lori are there to save the day and they come in the, you know, exit of the car wash and push the car back so that she does not get hit, in fact, by the big spinning mop in the automatic car wash. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, they are not so lucky with Hunt, who has a lucky coin or something that falls into a pool and there's a short in the pump and water is being sucked out of this pool, although not so much that you see the water going down, but apparently enough that when he goes down near the water, it traps him like his ass lands on the, the uh, vent at the bottom at the drain. And then he just gets sucked out. Like there's a great moment where you see his uh, chest cavity, like suck in a little bit as if the, uh, guts of this guy are being pulled out through his asshole, which I appreciate. And then the pump just shoots up a geyser of blood and chunks of people. That is my favorite. A guy getting his guts sucked out through his ass and then spewing out a a pump like a bloody old faithful. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. That seems like a, a real good way to kill somebody. So, uh, but the after this, that they learned that there's another spectator that was rescued after the collapse of everything, and he died. Um, you know, after being asked to move seats, but this didn't happen because Nick intervened, and so they have to go track down this guy at a hospital. But he ends up getting crushed by a bathtub that is being filled up to put an old man in, like, you know, water therapy. And it fills up with so much water that it falls through the ceiling and crushes this guy. And so Nick then gets uh, another premonition where he's like, oh, my God, a bunch of people are going to die in this big explosion at a movie theater. And I got to warn somebody. And he's going to try to save George, Michael T. Williamson. But he, uh, as he's explaining all of his vision and like, oh, death is still after us. We didn't cheat anything yet. Uh, then an ambulance comes rolling by and taters Michael T. Williamson, which isn't satisfying uh, as, as a death, but it is surprising. And I'll give it that at least. And so anyway, the conclusion of this movie is... Nick going to this mall to try to stop this explosion from happening. His girlfriend, Lori, has a vision of her own where she's like, oh my God, we're going to die in here. But uh, Janet, the, the girl who has already cheated death once and should fucking well know better, is like, no, 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 you're being paranoid. We're good now. We don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Quit worrying about all these visions you're having. But it, you know, Nick ends up saving the day, even though his hand gets nail gunned to a wall. Uh, he ends up turning on the sprinklers and avoiding this explosion and everybody is able to go on with their life. And a couple of weeks later, they're going to this uh, cafe that they go to a bunch to celebrate. I think it's called Death by Caffeine, you know, wink, wink. And as they're having this talk about like, ah, oh, man, we got away with it or we can start living our lives as normal again. Nick then starts to see a bunch of signs uh, that allude to the other deaths in the movie. And he says, what if the design didn't skip us, but the design was to give us a, this reprieve and then get us all together here two weeks later. And they're like, ah, don't sweat it. He's like, no, no, no. We are exactly where we need to be for death to take us. And then we see that there's some scaffolding outside on the road, which collapses and causes this truck to swerve and then crashes into the cafe and the movie doesn't show you them die not properly it then cuts to cgi where you see like these anatomical x-rays of them being crushed and thrown about and murdered by the truck and and sort of end of movie so final destination four aka the final destination is totally fine as a final destination movie it's just i'll tell you here's the biggest problem with it is your main character played by nick zano uh sorry that's hunt uh nick bobby campo is the guy who plays um the main character nick and he's just not that compelling a protagonist and so i kind of didn't care if he lived or died i wasn't really into it i wasn't into any of the individual stories of these characters. Not that that's what it's about, but it, it this pays so little attention to that 
that I don't even, you know, we talked in an earlier episode about how the writing and characters and all of, and the acting and all of that is good enough. And if you're good enough, that's fine. That'll get you. And, and then you let all the gory nonsense death get kind of put you over the top. This is one of the cases where the characters and the story fall below that good enough threshold. So it's not a bad movie because there's still that dark sense of humor and it's still entertaining enough. And by the way, under 90 minutes. So it's not like it's a huge time investment and in its pace quickly. So it's still very watchable, but of the four movies we've talked about, it's easily my least favorite. It has no Tony Todd that I could discern, which is never good. And the deaths are mostly good, but there are a couple of really good ones. And then there are a couple that are like, eh, all right. I mean, there isn't like the tanning booth death or uh, the guy getting crushed by the ladder after the, you know, everything in his room goes wrong or, uh, you know, that, like there is the engine death and that's good. But the one with the racist and the exploding truck is kind of fine. The one with the rock killing the woman is kind of fine. Um, the, you know, the best one by far is the, you know, the guy getting his gut sucked out his rear and that's really fun, but you know, that's not enough to carry the whole movie. And you know, of all the movies and I'll just go ahead and tip my hand. This is my least favorite of them because there's just nothing to hang your hat on but the kills, and those are only good for so long. So it's not great, uh, This the final destination. It's okay, it's just not great. And that's disappointing. It, like, it ought to be better than it is. Um, but we've got another one coming up tomorrow, even. You, we will launch into the final, final destination. At least for now, there is a final destination six on the way. And when that comes out, then we will revisit that. But uh, we'll talk about Final Destination 5, which is a movie I'm quite fond of. And, and we'll talk about that uh, more tomorrow. Anyway, I hope you are having a fantastic Monday. We're back in a working week, but we're only a couple of weeks away from Halloween. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good place to be. So uh, very exciting. I hope you're enjoying the spooky season as I am. Uh, I, as I am recording this, I'm also previewing... Follow the House of Usher on Netflix. And there is something that feels like Halloween has arrived again when I'm watching a new Mike Flanagan joint on, on Netflix. So that's kind of fun. But we'll talk uh, about that uh, another time. Anyway, uh, have a great rest of your Monday. Have a great holiday uh, season. Keep it spooky out there. And I will see you back here tomorrow for another entry in the 31 days of Halloween. See you then. Oh.